Welcome back, everyone. I am Michael, your host for Antediluvian Revelations, a poetic retelling of the book of Enoch, the prophet. This is the seventh and final segment of the revised summary discussion of part two. Ancient prophecies have come to pass. Fulfillment of the prophecy in the 13th chapter of Revelation has occurred, with the rise of the second beast who dictated all must have proof of vaccination to buy and sell. Indicates that Judgment Day may have already occurred or is close at hand. According to this explanation of how the prophecy has come to pass, the second beast has been unsuccessful in his attempt to oppress the citizens of the United States with his insane edict. In the action of attempting to dictate these restrictions was the fulfillment of prophecy. Revelation chapter 14 verse 14 describes a CE5 event with one like the Son of Man, a prophet, appearing in a cloud and revealing God's eternal truth, followed by the apocalyptic reaping of humanity. The exact sequence of events may not be found in the current text of the New Testament. And this is a reasonable conclusion, given that the book of Enoch, the prophet, also has this same non-sequential arrangement. Some mysteries are intentionally not allowed to be so easily solved, but time will tell. Canto 5 in part 2 is probably the best part of the epic because it tells how Noah came to know the prophecy of the flood. There are two other very critical revelations appearing in this canto, the naming of the seven conspirators who initiated the transgression of contaminating humanity with extraterrestrial DNA, and the name of the century when God will allow the destruction of earth by fire. The prophecy of foretelling the timing of the apocalypse appears vague and encrypted. There is no enumeration of conspirators higher than 21, and the description of this riddle indicates that there is a mathematical answer regarding the numbers. In plain English, this prophecy indicates the timing of the apocalypse will be in the 21st century. Enoch prophesied using mathematics in vague riddle format several times in his writing, so there is justification for the interpretation of this part and other similar instances of numerological prophecies appearing later in the book. The logical explanation for Enoch's use of numerical riddles to prophesy future events is that he could not have known how to make these predictions any other way or with any specificity other than a numerical encryption. He could not have referred to events or people in a future time with specificity because he would not have known or understood the significance of those people or events. Enoch prophesied future events mostly by using allegorical representations or cryptic numerical representations for those events that would occur in a time so far distant from his own that the only possible way to make the predictions was to use mathematics, an unchangeable concept that has existed for eternity. Decrypting these mathematical riddles requires wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The only thing that has changed about mathematics since the time of Enoch has been humanity's understanding of it. Mankind may be close to knowing as much about mathematics and cosmology as Enoch did 6,000 years ago. Enoch received his education from extraterrestrial sources, but that matter will be more profoundly discussed and proven later in this book. One interesting scene within this segment occurs with the three of the Watchers discussing among themselves the outcome of Judgment Day and the apocalyptic end of humanity. Enoch takes note of their conversation. The holy angels are saddened, that the other angels will be punished for breaking the oath God imposed upon all of them when they were created to have eternal life and the capability to travel throughout the universe. Michael, Raphael, and Raquel have a curious exchange of words with Raphael mostly being silent 
when Michael and Raquel respond according to their emotions about the eventual punishment which they know will occur for both eternal beings and ephemeral beings during the apocalypse after Judgment Day. The event will likely have the same effect of shock and awe as in the first transfiguration, which made all of them aware of Almighty God's truly awesome capabilities. Messianic Prophecy and Transfiguration Canto 5 finishes with additional references to the Messiah. In the New Testament Gospels, the testimonies that describe the transfiguration of Jesus were credited to three people who were not present when that event occurred. The three disciples who were present at that event never wrote about what they saw, except for what appears in John's prophecy in the book of Revelation. Their surviving hearsay testimonies say that two witnesses appeared with Jesus at his transfiguration. The Apostle John, who actually witnessed the event, did not write about it, and he may have erroneously thought that the transfiguration meant Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus told John not to talk about what he had seen because he knew that John would not have the ability to comprehend the close encounter with extraterrestrials, a CE3 event. Jesus understood all of it, but he could not have explained it to anyone else because of the limited intellectual evolution among men at that time. Jesus was prodigiously intelligent because he had been blessed with a greater portion of God's Holy Spirit at birth than any other human being in history, and he was anointed with the greatest portion of the Holy Spirit mankind has ever known when he repented of his sin and received the baptism by Elijah in the name of Yahweh. More importantly, Jesus knew that John and the other disciples were not ever going to become intellectually evolved enough to fully understand in their lifetimes or clearly explain what they had seen on that mountainside to anyone else. The Elohim came down from heaven in the holy conveyance bring Enoch and Elijah to meet with Jesus when he was given the gift of everlasting life. Transfiguration of a human soul to have everlasting life may be the most important of all antediluvian revelations in Enoch's story. Despite the polytheistic and pagan heresy of Constantine's perversion of Christianity, by influencing the editorialization of the original text, God's eternal truth realigns faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, prophesied in the scriptures of Judaism as a monotheistic belief. There is only one God who is the Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was not God, nor Son of God. Transfiguration is the event when Eloi gave Jesus eternal life so his spirit could return to his body after he physically died and Raphael had healed his body. Jesus Christ did not heal his own body because that was the task of the Elohim when they removed him from the tomb. The crucifixion is symbolized in this epic by references to the tree of eternal life, which is a figurative representation of how there is everlasting life with God in the Holy Spirit after the death of the human body. The three Gospels reportedly authored by three different persons who were not present at the transfiguration event, say the two witnesses appearing with Jesus in the light from the holy conveyance in the sky above were Moses and Elijah. The hearsay testimonies appearing in those three Gospels were incorrect, and it may be that those testimonials were edited by heretics who did not consider the error and fallibility of their efforts. Moses was not one of the two eternal witnesses present at Christ's transfiguration. Moses was a murderer and ineligible for everlasting life. He was never transfigured to have eternal life. The only persons who could have been there as eternal witnesses were Enoch, 
Noah, and Elijah. Both Enoch and Elijah ascended into the heavens in historically recorded CE4 events. See Genesis chapter 5 verse 24 and 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 11. So they were most likely the two witnesses present at Christ's transfiguration. Melchizedek is the angel of peace, and he would not likely have been present at the transfiguration event. The angel of peace dwells in heaven and is the advocate for angelic beings judged by God. A Melchizedek will be the advocate for Satan, the other fallen watchers, and the souls of their offspring on Judgment Day. See 11Q13. Witnesses to the Transfiguration There is another possible explanation for the two witnesses who were at Christ's Transfiguration. There is also the possibility that Noah may have been one of the two witnesses because he was also transfigured with eternal life. In consideration of how the antediluvian revelation of Noah's genetically anomalous birth as an albino may have additionally been the cause of confusion for Jesus' disciples who thought they might have seen Moses, it is reasonable to postulate that the few human witnesses to the Transfiguration event would have seen one of the figures as an extremely old, white-bearded, and white-haired person, easily mistaken for Moses, an ancient historical figure in Hebrew lore. The elder person of the two witnesses would have actually been Enoch. Moreover, an additional postulation in rebuttal to any opposition about this proposed identity is that the heretics who colluded with the pagans to editorialize the Gospels may have agreed to allow much of the canonized work on the New Testament to go forward with Moses being injected as one of the witnesses because those heretics did not want to deny Moses or their oppressive laws of sacrifice and attritional fees. One fact is certain. The testimonies of Christ's transfiguration event appearing in the New Testament are not those of the actual witnesses to that event when it happened. There is a very low level of accuracy in testimonies based upon hearsay. The descriptions of the two witnesses are further examples of how the New Testament Gospels contain fraudulent information. It was Jesus Christ's declaration of an end to the laws of Moses and his teaching of repentance rather than sacrifice that most angered the Jewish heretics at that time. The laws of Moses were oppressive and based upon pagan ideologies of sacrifice and monetary payments for the atonement of sin. It was Jesus' mission to bring all of their pagan idolatry to an end by preaching repentance and the hope for everlasting life in the one true God of all the universe. The inclusion of Moses at Christ's transfiguration is a contradiction because Jesus did not preach an acceptance of Mosaic laws. God would not have selected Moses to be present as an eternal witness to the transfiguration of Jesus Christ because the laws of Moses caused the need for a messianic intervention, which was the third CE6 event in human history. The purpose for the Messiah was to clearly correct the path of mankind, which had followed the teaching of Moses into an era of idolatry and faithlessness. While Moses successfully delivered the Hebrew people from the clutches of their Egyptian oppressors, the two historically relevant deliverers of mankind by virtue of their spiritually evolutionary successes prior to the advent of Yeshua were Enoch and Noah. Neither of them were murderers. Depending on the actual timing of events known to have occurred during Christ's lifetime, Enoch and Noah may have been the two witnesses if John the Baptist, also known as Elijah, was still alive when Christ's transfiguration occurred. Jesus told his disciples that Elijah had been known to them as John the Baptist, 
So the Apostle John may have accurately recognized him if he had been close enough to identify him. However, it is reasonably practical to infer from the hearsay testimonies and a logical understanding of the people of the time frame that the three disciples present were not staring at the beings who appeared with Jesus. The most likely behavior for those intellectually uninvolved humans was that they were hiding their faces and covering their gazes in fear. It might only be humans from modern times that would either run and get a shotgun, stare directly at the event for its duration, or take photographs to post on TikTok X or YouTube. While running to get a shotgun is still an intellectually unevolved response to a CE3 event, there are many human beings who have still not evolved enough to be willing to make peaceful connections with extraterrestrials. It is also a reasonable conclusion that Elijah had been transfigured to have eternal life, which is clearly supported by the testimony attributed to Jesus Christ about the true identity of John the Baptist and Old Testament scripture describing Elijah's departure from earth in an extraterrestrial manner. Noah may have been a witness to Jesus' transfiguration if John the Baptist was still alive when the transfiguration event occurred. If John the Baptist had not yet been decapitated by the time of Jesus' transfiguration, then Noah would have been one of the two witnesses. It does make sense that Elijah would return to be one of the two witnesses. However, Jesus told John and the other apostles who were present not to talk about what they had seen until after his resurrection, which he was able to say after being informed about the specifics of the event during his transfiguration. Before he was crucified, Jesus stated to the disciples that they had known Elijah as John the Baptist, but there is no clear chronological evidence to validate that Jesus told the apostles this fact only after the John the Baptist had been killed. If Christ's transfiguration occurred before John the Baptist was beheaded, then Elijah could not have been one of the two witnesses. He simply could not have been two places at the same time. Despite the complexity of this argument about the theoretical identity of the two witnesses, there are some very serious considerations that clearly prove the facts. To wit, the authors whose testimonies appear in the New Testament were not there to witness the event. Current medical science will confirm that a beheaded human body cannot be revived after the cerebral cortex has been severed, and only God Almighty has the power to repair this type of extensive damage to a corporeal form. Neither Jesus nor the Archangel Raphael could have healed John the Baptist. A completely new physical body would have been the most practical solution to restore Elijah's eternal spirit into a human form. The testimonies of record were supposedly written by the apostles Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but they were not present to witness the transfiguration. The testimonies appearing in the New Testament were faked by heretics and pagans who created the text based on hearsay and not factual evidence presented by the witnesses who were there. It is with great certainty stated here that Moses was not one of the two witnesses because he was a murderer and ineligible for everlasting life. The creation of second-hand testimonials in the Gospels which stated that Moses was one of the two witnesses is another example of editorialization crimes committed by those early pagan idolaters who ignorantly cursed the Holy Bible. But there are still many truths in that book that continue to make it worth reading and studying as long as an ordained clergy of the Catholic faith is not doing the teaching about the text of the Gospels or New Testament. The reader will have more success learning the truth by praying and asking God for guidance to know what is the truth in the text. Accepting the truth of how God is the Holy Spirit will yield the person greater growth in true faith than listening to the fraudulent teaching presented in a Christian church, especially a Catholic one.
Christianity is a fraudulent religion based upon a perversion of truth and pagan ideology known as the Catholic doctrine. Jesus was the Messiah, but he was not the Son of God. Jesus was not a pagan human sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. He was murdered, and mankind has suffered for that crime. The next part of this epic poem is the cosmology of Enoch, and another name for this content is the universal laws of the luminaries. The poetic retelling makes this section of the translated text more enjoyable to read or listen to than the early English translations. There is a hidden mystery within this part, and there are a few antediluvian revelations in this short portion of the epic story. Some of the content in this next part will seem chronologically out of order compared to the previous part, which introduced Noah as an adult. Later in this epic story, Enoch returns to earth when Noah is born. This event might become very confusing to the reader because Noah has already appeared as an adult in the narrative. A previous edition of this work provided the author's best understanding of the chronological sequence of events as they most likely occurred in history at this point in the discussion. However, it seemed that providing this information in this discussion was too early in the structure of the work. In an effort to maintain reader interest, the information will appear in a later summary discussion when the revelation will not likely ruin the suspense of the tale. Well, that is all for the summary discussion of part two. Be sure to subscribe for notifications of new releases because the work to do more revisions and create these videos to present them will occur. As long as global thermonuclear war has not yet happened, I will keep working and doing the will of God. As always, thank you for listening. I am Michael.